I'm going to run the risk this morning of starting a new series of messages. Now, I recognize starting a series of messages might be a bit presumptuous. But as one of the dear sisters told me two weeks ago, your chances are looking pretty good. You're running unopposed. (laughs) So since my chances are looking pretty good and I'm running unopposed, I'd like to start a series of messages this morning that would run us through Easter. Now, if things go sideways this evening, you'll only get number one. And there we go. That will be all it is. We'll, we'll move forward from that. But I'd like to begin a series of messages called The Chef's Table. The Chef's Table. I've found myself over the last few years becoming quite fascinated with the Food Network. Are any of you fans of the Food Network? Oh, wonderful. I have some favorites. One of my favorite Food Network shows is Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Oh my goodness, we got an amen. It's the most active Cecilia Baptist has been in a while. Guy Fieri, actually this show, they go to different places around the country and kind of hole-in-a-wall restaurants and he features them. And actually our family, if we're on vacation, sometimes we'll look to see if there's a restaurant nearby that he's been to. A couple years ago, we were in Miami and we went to one of the taco stands that he mentioned on his show. I also like the Pioneer Woman. Anybody like the Pioneer Woman? My son thinks she smiles too much, but I love the ranch and I love her kitchen and I love the food that she makes. I'll tell you, one of my favorites is the Great British Baking Show. Anybody like the Brits? Oh, you don't. Not so much on the Brits. Cakes, pies, cookies, biscuits. Uh, Another show that I've really found myself being drawn to is a, chef, a show called The Chef's Table. Now, The Chef's Table is different than The Pioneer Woman or Diver, Drive-Ins, Dive-Ins. Wait, dry, you know what I'm trying to say. It's different than The British Baking Show. It, it's about the chef. And it, it's a portrait of their lives and a portrait of their work. And I want to show you the opening credits to this show because it sets the stage for what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks in that the chef's table actually has a metaphor biblically about something that I think we need to explore. And so if we're ready, let's see the opening credits to the chef's table. (laughs) 
the purpose of the show makes us feel and makes the audience learn that food to these chefs is something different. It's more than calories. It's more than fast food. There's something about these chefs as they put together these amazing meals and they set these amazing tables and as they bring food to a place of art, a masterpiece, there's something spiritual happening in their food. Uh, The stories in this show will tell of how they were trained and the ups and downs of the industry. It will tell of what trials they had to get through in order to be at the level they're at. And all the while, it's communicating that food has a bigger meaning, a deeper meaning, something that's more than just filling up your gut. It's about filling your soul, filling your spirit. And when they share these ideas and when they present this in the video form, it reminds me of something that the Bible has said, something that the scripture has communicated from all the Old and New Testament. Throughout the Bible, the table is a metaphor that is used to communicate that God, through Jesus, has invited us into something spiritual. He's invited us into something elegant and beautiful and a masterpiece. He's invited us into relationship with the creator of the universe. And the table is spread before us. And God, through Jesus, wants everyone, every tribe, every color, every nation, every people from every land to come unto him. Amen? There's an invitation that comes from the chef, if you will, the master chef of all the universe. And this table is laid before us. And I would like over the few months that are ahead of us to use this symbol and use this metaphor to communicate something deep and spiritual and something in the soul. And there's a verse that makes this idea crystal clear. It's the theme verse for this series. You'll hear it today and you'll hear it often. In Matthew chapter 5, the opening of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew comprise Jesus' largest single sermon that we have in the New Testament. If you read it from start to finish, it takes about 45 to 50 minutes to read. Some biblical scholars will say that it's portions of various messages combined into one. Others would say it was given in a single day. And as Jesus opens up this monumental teaching, he speaks about attitudes or the be attitudes that the Christian should have, the follower of his should have. And I just want to read a few of those to you, but really capitalize on verse 6. Jesus begins in verse 3 of Matthew chapter 5 saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, 
for they will inherit the earth. We could use a bit of humility these days. Amen. But verse 6 is where I want to focus. Verse 6 is what the metaphor lingers with. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. Jesus mentions hunger. He mentions thirst. But in doing so, he's not referring to the appetites or the needs of the physical being. He's not talking about our stomach. He's not talking about that growl that happens a little before noon. He's not talking about what we think about when we're out in a dry place and there's just no moisture in our throat. No, Jesus is using the metaphor of hunger and thirst for something spiritual, something deeper, something inward. And he says that when we want to be truly blessed, we will hunger and we will thirst for righteousness. Righteousness there means the righteousness that comes from God. Right standing before God. Right relationship with God. Through Jesus, we have all, those sinners, have been made right in Christ's righteousness. It's an imputed righteousness. And when we long for that, we hunger for that, we seek that spiritual food, it's promised here that we will be filled. But my question, my question for you and the question for me is, are you spiritually hungry? Are you spiritually hungry? Jesus is pointing at something that's deeper. He's pointing at something inward. And the question that you and I have to Admit to ourselves as we have to ask ourselves, though we have been invited to the table, though we have been invited to join in Christ, are we really hungry and thirsty for the things of God, the ways of God, the word of God, the will of God? Are we hungry today or are we pushing those appetites aside? Are we hungry? for more of God in our lives? Do we want to serve him more? Do we want to know him more? Do we want to love him more? Do we want to walk in him more? Do we want to be with him more? Or is our spiritual hunger, our spiritual thirst, that which has been put aside? There's a way to detect if you're spiritually hungry. I would ask it this way, and I'm asking myself as well. If you and I were to look back one year, maybe five years, maybe 10 years, I don't know, 25 years, has there ever been a time in your life when you were more spiritually sensitive, more spiritually in tune, more spiritually alert, more spiritually in the zone, if you will, with the Lord than you are today? Was there a time when God's presence was nearer to you? God's word was more alive to you? When you were in prayer, there was a sense of communion with God. Have you been more hungry in days past than you are today? 
Can I be honest with you? In walking with Jesus now 30 plus years, I can say there have been times in the past where I was more hungry for God. I was more seeking after Him, wanting more of Him. And, and we all know that in the ebb and flow of the Christian life, in the ebb and flow of this journey with Christ, there will be times when we're more hungry and there will be times when we're completely put out. This will happen. That will happen. We find ourselves focusing on this or with that. It's maybe our kids. It's maybe our jobs. It's maybe some trial we're going through, some grief or pain. It may be that we're just floating through the universe at times, completely devoid of the spiritual side of life. And we wake up one day and we recognize, I haven't even opened the Bible for months. Are you hungry today? spiritually hungry. Because the good news is, if you are, there's an invitation to the table. If you have your Bibles out, turn over to Revelation chapter 3. I'm so thankful for this perfect demonstration I want to share two invitations from Revelation. Invitations to the chef's table. The first invitation comes from Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, some of you know, contains the letters of Jesus to the seven churches of Asia Minor. The seven churches that John the Revelator writes these messages to, gives these messages to. Several years ago, I had the great honor as a faculty member to take students to all seven churches of the Revelation. They were real places in a real time. At least the remnants of those cities still exist today. And without a doubt, the most famous or the most popular is the church of Laodicea. It's the letter that was delivered to this church in the valley called the Lycus Valley, just down from Colossae, where we get the letter to the Colossians. There's this beautiful little piece of scenery stuck between two mountains. Laodicea found itself woven right in the middle of this valley that cuts through these enormous mountain peaks. And on one side, on one side, you have this series of bubbling hot springs. It's a community now called Pamukkale, but in that bubbling hot springs, for centuries, people have traveled to this side of the mountain to rest in those hot springs, to receive the healing waters of this boiling sulfuric acid that comes up through the water and heals sores, and they believed healed the soul. That's on one side. On the other side is this glorious mountain peak where glacial waters have rested for years and down comes these pure, crystal clear, cool water streams that flow into the valley. 
You have the hot springs on the one side, the crystal cold springs on the other, streams. And what do you have in the middle? Laodicea, who we know as the lukewarm church. You have this place of healing, this place of restoration, and in the middle you have a place of flatness. Most of us know the church of Laodicea because it's the one place in the Bible that kids know says the word vomit. Kids usually like a little humor. But Jesus in his letter to Laodicea speaks to those of us who are neither on fire for God or who are drinking Fully from the fountain of God. We're lukewarm. We're stuck in the valley. We're stuck in the rut. We're stuck in the day in, day out grind. And we've lost some of that spiritual hunger. We've lost some of that spiritual thirst. And what does Jesus say to the church of Laodicea? Verse 20, Revelation 3. He says, see, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It's an invitation to a private dinner. To the church that's caught in the middle, to the church that's lukewarm, to the church that's on the verge of being vomited out, to the church that has lost its spiritual hunger, lost its spiritual thirst, has lost its vitality, to the man, to the woman, to the boy or girl who at one time in their past was on fire, to one time in their past they were drinking deeply from the fountain, to the one in the middle, Jesus says, I'm at the door and I'm knocking And I'm knocking to invite you to the table. Do you see it, brothers and sisters? Do you see it? He's knocking at the door. He's standing outside the door and his voice is being heard. His voice is calling out. His voice is coming through the door to you and to me, to our hearts. And he's saying, open the door and I will come in. And you and I, dine together at the table. I have to tell you, this picture overwhelms my heart. Because Jesus won't come in uninvited. He's not going to barge down the door. He's not going to burst in as some intruder. If you and I want to feast If you and I want to fill the appetite, if you and I want to become spiritually fed, all it takes, brothers and sisters, is inviting Jesus in. And you will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
He's standing at the door. He's standing at the door of your heart and mine. And he's knocking and his voice is calling. Friends, will you invite him in? Will you join him at the table? But there's another invitation. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. As private and intimate and one-on-one as that invitation is, there's another invitation in the book of Revelation that speaks to something magnificent and it's big and it's glorious and you're invited to it as well. In Revelation chapter 19, John sees the vision of the end of the age. Jesus has returned. Satan has been vanquished. Sin has been defeated. Victory is in the risen king. Amen? And there's another invitation that comes. Another invitation that comes to you and I. Read it with me in verse 6 through 9. See it glorious in the revelation. Then John records, I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude. Like the sound of cascading waters. Like the rumbling of loud thunder. Saying, hallelujah. Because our Lord God the Almighty reigns. Can we shout hallelujah in church from time to time? Because our Lord, the God of the universe, the Almighty, guess what, brothers and sisters? He rules and He reigns forever. Am I preaching to anybody today? We can shout hallelujah. We can sing for joy because our King, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, He didn't stay in the cross. He rose from the grave and He has victory over all eternity. Verse 7, John writes, let us be glad, let us rejoice and give him glory because the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself. We're about to see something. She was given the fine linen to wear, bright and pure. For the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Jesus said to John, write this. Blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. This is the biggest celebration in all of history. This is the biggest point of anticipation for all eternity has waited for this. This is the bringing together of Jesus, the groom, and the church, his bride, bringing them together in the great marriage feast of the Lamb. And friends, I have good news for you. If you answered to Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, you heard his voice, you heard him knock and you said yes to the private dinner invitation you are securing your place for the marriage feast of the lamb where every tribe every tongue every nation every people every follower of Jesus since his time before until all time ends are going to be gathered together and it's going to be beautiful and glorious and this is the great news you're both an invited guest and you're the bride Fine linen, white and pure. 
You're being brought in as a bride is being given away to her groom and the father, the creator is uniting you to Christ and you will be with him forever. Oh, what an invitation. What an invitation. If you opened your heart to Jesus in the private dinner invitation, you secured your place in the great wedding feast of the Lamb. Two invitations. Are you spiritually hungry? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Be blessed in glory and power and honor forever to the Lamb, the risen King. Are you spiritually hungry today? If you are, the invitation to the table is open. Let's pray together. Just in the moment of quiet, in the moment of reflection, I ask, has there been a time in your life in the past where you were more spiritually hungry more spiritually thirsty than today? And if so, have you heard the voice of Jesus today knocking on your heart, inviting you back to the table? Maybe in just a moment, you'd like to come to an altar that has been built here and kneel before the heavenly maker and accept the invitation to return to the table. Maybe this morning you can say, I'm the lukewarm Laodicean. I'm neither hot nor cold. I'm stuck in the middle. And I want to come back to a more fervent, intense, spiritual relationship with Jesus. Maybe this morning you're just satisfied with where you are, but you've got a bigger picture and you just want to shout praise. You just want to give glory. You just want to rejoice and be glad that you accepted the invitation by Jesus and you're now part of the great wedding feast that is to come. Whatever the movement of the Spirit is this morning, I pray that you would respond appropriately to the Spirit's voice. Dear God, in the moments that approach, I pray that your spirit would be free, that we would respond appropriately to the revelation of your word and to the urging of your spirit. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.